Pray with me, will you? Lord God, thank you for this morning. And uh, Lord, we do uh, just want to say how great you are. I pray that we would um, hear what your word has to say to us this morning out of James. Get us ready for the storms, Father. Give us um, steadfastness and a a deep contentment as you work through those storms to um, make us mature and complete, lacking in nothing. Um, It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys have a seat. Welcome. Good morning. Keep coming in. My name is Jeff Ward, and um, I get to serve here at Watermark on the External Focus team. It's really uh, a joy and pleasure um, to be with you guys this morning. And as um, Blake said last week, um, this book of James was written by Jesus' younger brother. And so how many of you guys have brothers and sisters? All right, so you can come in here and present yourself however you want to present yourself, but your brothers and sisters really know who you are, right? I mean, they've been with you, they've grown up with you, they see what happens behind closed doors and how you respond to things. And so um, James, in, in many ways, grew up with Jesus. He watched him walk for 30 years, even before Jesus' public ministry began. He watched, uh, in some ways, from afar as Jesus' ministry took off and the disciples um, began um, being with Jesus and then watched Christ walk through um, his own trials and his crucifixion. And even after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his brother James, and James went on to become a key leader in the early church, along with Peter, and even Paul submitted himself to the spiritual authority of James. And we know that James ultimately went through his own trials and really died a martyr's death. Um, In fact, uh, history says that he was actually thrown off the top of the temple and didn't die immediately. So they stoned him. So we've got one book from James, and he's got some stuff to tell us this morning about trials. And I think um, he's got some authority to teach us about this. Uh, I hope you'd agree. All right, so we've got 15 minutes, and we're going to knuckle down on James 1, 2 through 5. So if you've got your Bible, pull it out, and you might just leave it open, because we're going to be kind of jumping back and forth in this passage. And so let's just jump right in. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him." All right, so there are six things I sort of called out of this passage uh, that I thought James is trying to tell us this morning about trials. He says, let's start with, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Number one, expect trials. The deepest lessons come in the storms. And notice what he didn't say. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you find a hot wife. Count it all joy when you get that job and you make your first million. Count it all joy when you buy that that car, dream car. No, no, no. He says, count it all joy when, when you experience what? Trials. How strange is that, right? In fact, he says, count it, which also can be translated reckon it, which is really just his way of saying, hey guys, what I'm about to tell you is really unnatural. It's really crazy if you think about it, that we would count it joy when we experience trials. And it's really important to understand that the word trials here is very different from the word temptations that he uses later on. So what he's talking about here are trials, which are outward uh, things that happen to you. Trouble that comes um, unbeknownst and uh, you're unprepared for it. 
even like that picture with the lady in the tornado behind her, you know, I just, I thought that's a great illustration. Sometimes we know there's trouble behind us and sometimes we don't. Um, and, and this is the word um, that's used when they talk about the queen of Sheba come and testing the wisdom of Solomon or God testing the faith of Abraham when he asks him to, to um, sacrifice Isaac. And so this was interesting. So I thought, you know, how many of you guys pray that God would deepen your faith, that he would grow you spiritually and mature you? How many pray that prayer? I do. Now, what if God says to you, hey, the way I'm going to do that is through letting you experience some trials and some pain in your life? That prayer becomes a little more hard to to eke out, doesn't it? But we know that's true, right? Think about your own life and the times when you have grown the most spiritually, when you have deepened your faith, when you have anchored your faith. I would bet that those are not times where the seas have been calm. I bet those are times when uh, you have been in the midst of a storm. And so that's what James is saying. That's how we can count it as joy. And in fact, I know Many of you guys in this room this morning are in the midst of a trial. So I was just talking to Eric about some physical issues he's got. Many of us have physical things going on. Maybe it's the relationship with your wife on the rocks right now. Maybe that's the relationship with your kids or a job financially, uh, all that sort of stuff. For me this week, it was just one of my kids being wayward, man, and just kind of running off the rails and um, feeling a little bit out of control. And so you're there, and if you're not there now, You're headed that way, right? So today, James is telling us some things that are really important. So expect trials. The deepest lessons are there. Choose joy. God may not change your circumstances, but will change your perspective. Joy here does not mean happiness. So happiness is connected to our circumstances. So if you come up to me afterwards and you say, hey, Jeff, let's go get breakfast, that's going to make me happy. It's going to make me even happier if you say I'm paying for it. Um, but that is not what James is saying here. He's talking about joy, which is a thought more than a feeling. In fact, it's, it's also can be translated as a settled contentment. And in my own life, growing up uh, as a kid, you know, a lot of my friends would say, hey, I want to be a banker, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a teacher. Um, not me. Growing up, I said, I wanted to be just like my big brother, And so my brother Brock was four years older than me. He was uh, just accomplished at pretty much everything he put his hand to. So he was an award-winning gymnast and tennis star and musician, singer-songwriter, played the guitar, was even in a country band, which is good news. Uh, And um, we just had a great relationship. I mean, there were times we didn't get along, but we always knew we had each other's backs. You know, even when my folks found our contraband sticks and Boston albums, uh, you know, we, we, we hung in there together. So, but you know, I guess when I was about 16, tragedy struck and he died unexpectedly. And uh, we were in the midst of a storm um, that we just had never experienced before. I mean, just really uh, crying out to God and grieving and trying to understand how the dots were connecting in the midst of that. Um, and I tell you that story because as broken as my family was in a lot of ways, my parents did this well for me. They modeled for me this joy, this steady contentment in the midst of those just horrendous circumstances. And I think that's exactly what James is saying here. And we knew that God loved my brother more than we could. We knew that he had a plan for that and answered some of those questions through the years, but, but not all of them. And we know that on the other side of, of life, um, hopefully we'll know more. Um, 
But that's what he's saying. Choose joy. God may not change your circumstances, but he will change your perspective. Number three, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Trials reveal the truth about your faith. And so if you're in the midst of a storm, how can you have joy? The reason we can respond with joy is we know that the tests are a means of refining our faith. And this word, this Greek word, dokemon, um, is the word used for coined money, which is genuine and pure. So its aim of testing is to purge impurities. And so to test a diamond, there's a lot of ways a jeweler can do that through chemical testing and whatnot. But one of the easy ways they can do that is they can put, you know, the, the fake one or the, the, the real one, a real one side by side on some newsprint. And the way that a diamond um, reflects light uh, and, it, and it has a brilliance to it such that if it's down on the newsprint, you won't be able to read through it. But if you can then it's most likely fake. And so even a novice eye can tell which is fake and which is real. And I think that's what, is, that's what James is telling us about trials in our lives. They are the ultimate litmus test to know whether the, the faith that you've professed is really a faith that's made its way into your heart. All right, number four, trials require trust. So all this testing can produce steadfastness um, and I love this word. I did a little word study on this steadfastness. And it's, uh, it's actually the combination of two Greek words, hupomeno, um, meaning under and to remain. And then as I looked at different translations of this, it can mean, uh, I've seen it translated fortitude, staying power, unswerving constancy, heroic endurance are all attempts to sort of capture the meaning of this word. This is not men a meek, submissive, uh, tossing to and fro by the waves of trials in our lives. This is a overcoming steadfastness, contentment, uh, and uh, faith and trust in the one who's writing our, our story. And, you know, and I think here in our culture, we tend to view happiness as sort of the goal. And so if anything comes into our lives that, are as a, that is a struggle or a challenge or um, makes us uncomfortable, man, I think sometimes our minds can be like, man, we just got to get through this, right? Like just grit our teeth and bear it. And, you know, recently um, we got to spend some time over in the Middle East uh, and with some new believers who had come out of a closed country that was... Um, all, you know, Islamic, basically. And these folks had come to Christ and we were interacting with them and they were, they had gotten out of the country. They'd come to Christ through just some amazing ways, um, which meant for them the loss of family, friends, businesses many times, freedom. Many of the folks we met had been thrown in jail, interrogated, tortured. Uh, um, one guy in particular had had the, he'd been in solitary confinement for 50 days and they just played the Koran over and over and over outside of his cell. And so these folks had gotten out of that country and they were being trained and equipped in uh, deep Bible studies and all those sorts of things. And I, there was one guy particularly that I was talking to about his story. He was telling me all these things and I'm like, great. I said, will you be filing for asylum so that you can get to a safe country, you know, or even to the U.S.? And he just looked at me, you know, sort of befuddled. And he said, well, no. He said, I'm being trained so I can go back so I can lead churches and so I can um, preach the word of God and I can lead others into this you know, relationship that I have with God the Father. Um, and he said, you know, in my life there's been two blessings. There's been the blessing of salvation and there's been the blessing of suffering. 
And the way that those folks in, in sort of just their environment embrace trials and suffering as God's means and method of deepening their faith and developing their trust on him really convicted me. And I think that's what James is saying here, that if we respond well with joy in the midst of these trials, we'll emerge steadfast. Number five, patience leads to perfection. James moves on. Steadfastness is not the ultimate goal. Something greater here is in mind, and he talks about how trials can produce this whole or complete person and this teleos, um, which means mature. Perfect here, guys, does not mean sinlessness, right? But rather a spiritual maturity, a deeper communion and greater trust in Christ. You know, um, Todd said recently, I've heard him say it a couple times, that the wilderness is not our enemy, Right? And I think sometimes, though, we view those wilderness times as something, again, that we want to get through quickly, that we want to just survive so we can get to the other side, as opposed to a place where God really meets us in our, with our questions and our desperateness and our, um, where we just hit bottom. And he just he shows up, and our faith, again, becomes anchored if we respond appropriately. And so, um, basically, James is saying here, in perfection and completeness, lacking in nothing, that what is happening to you is not good. Uh, you may not be able to connect the dots in the midst of it, but you can trust the one uh, who is connecting those. Trials take wisdom. Here's the key. If you, any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. This is the key. This is the secret to joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. And he's talked about joy and steadfastness and completeness, but here it is. We've got to ask God for wisdom. Asking God for what we need. And who in here would say, hey, I don't need wisdom, right, in the midst of the storm. And so we ask for it, and this is the good news for a knucklehead like me, that he gives generously. He's not going to rebuke you. He's not going to say, man, I told you so, and no, I'm not going to give it to you. James is very clear here that God's not going to hold back. He gives generously and without reproach. So ask, and God will give. I'm going to close with this story. And so on Monday... um, I was prepping for this talk, and I get this email from my friend here at Watermark. He, um, Rick Smith, he's the director of digital uh, ministries. And uh, he and his wife, Abby, a number of years ago had a, um, a child with Down syndrome. And um, coming out of that, the, the doctor who delivered the child, their, their OBGYN, came to him and said, and I, I'm just really sorry that um, I didn't catch this. Because had I caught it, you would have had the opportunity to abort your son. And so as they just engaged in this process with her and just spiritually of this, um, of even what that looked like for them moving forward, um, they, um, they actually built a ministry out of it. And so you can actually go to noahsdad.com. And I think Rick told me that there's over a million people who have subscribed to this. And so they're ministering to people all over the place with, with similar similar kids. And so he wrote this email to some of us on, on Monday night um, because Abby had gotten pregnant again and she was getting ready to del- deliver another child. And he said, and, and I asked him, I said, hey, can I share this? Because we're talking about this passage in James. And he said, absolutely. And he just said, hey, friends, in just a few short hours, we'll be heading to the hospital for Abby's delivery via C-section of baby Jackson. I'd just like to ask you guys to pray for Abby and for Jackson. I have this strange mix of emotion tonight. I'm excited, but also a bit scared. Not sure if that's the right word. 
When Noah was born, we were completely blindsided. And so in the back of my mind, I wonder what else God has in store for us. I may have been blindsided last time, but not this time. I know the reward for faithfulness is more opportunities to be faithful. And by God's grace, I know we've been faithful with Noah's life. So I often wonder what else God is going to allow me to be faithful with. Without a doubt, I know God is on the throne and he does whatever he pleases and all that he pleases to do is good. He is sovereign and any story he writes for my life is infinitely better than any I could write on my own. I don't want that just to be words on a screen. I want that to be the truth in my heart. Please pray that I would continue to abide in the Lord and trust him in the story he is writing for my life. Please also pray for baby Jackson to arrive safely into the world, a sweet wife to have good surgery with no complications. I have no idea what is going to happen less than 12 hours from now. But like my wife often reminds me, our prayer is that we would, is that we would uh, isn't that we would have a healthy child, rather that the Lord would prepare our hearts for whatever child God gives us. And God is good, and I'm thankful that he is the one that holds the whole world in his hands, including baby Jackson and little Noah. Thanks for your prayers. Love you guys. To God be the glory, Rick. So do you see what's happening? I mean, in the context of that email, I mean, you've, you've got a guy who was blindsided by a storm early in his life, who anchored his faith, who developed that trust in the Lord, and now is ready for the next storm that God brings. And he's built this um, trust and confidence in the one who's writing his story, um, as opposed to what he sees right there in the moment. Not an outcome that he's hopeful for, but just deeper faith. So guys, wherever you are today, if you're in the middle of of a storm, if you're coming out of a storm, if you're about to go into a storm, you see it brewing on the horizon. James is telling us um, that though the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, we can say, blessed be the name of the Lord, right? And the reason is, is because Christ has modeled that for us in the midst of his trials, in the midst of his crucifixion, um, in the midst of all that he went through for us, he modeled that for us. And we know the end of the story, Right? So one of the things my wife does is she reads the end of every book before she buys it. She wants to know that it's going to end well. We know that. Right? And Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Um, and so um, we can emerge from our storms victorious. We can emerge more mature. We can emerge with a deeper relationship um, with God, trusting him to write our story more than we could our own. All right, pray with me one more time. Lord God, thank you for this passage. And um, you know, we, we tremble a bit when we read it to know that you use trials and storms to, to deepen our faith, to grow us. Um, but we do want to view those as blessings. We want to embrace them, not the circumstances that we're in. We know those are terrible, but we also know that you use them to, to um, make us complete and mature, lacking in nothing, and so that we can grow in you and comfort and shepherd others. Um, help us to have a great time now just with our groups, uh, understanding what each other are going through in our trials. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.